0: Chief Justice may be presiding over the third presidential impeachment in American history, but over at the Supreme Court, it's business as usual. Welcome to The Term, a podcast by Law360 to keep you updated about the nation's top bench and the nine justices that sit there. I'm Jimmy Hoover. I cover the court for Law360 here in Washington, and joining me now from our New York studio is Law360 Editor-at-Large and co-host Natalie Rodriguez. How's it going, Natalie?
1: Hey, Jimmy. Indeed, it's business as usual and busy as usual at the court this week. We've got a docket update on a few cert grants and other decisions coming out of the court. We're also going to have our esteemed colleague, tax reporter Maria Kloquinaris, on to help us dissect this week's arguments in Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue, a tax case that's being closely watched for its church versus state issues.
0: But first let's check in with Chief Justice John Roberts. So obviously he's presiding over the Senate impeachment trial of President Donald Trump. Uh, You know, shortly after we recorded last week's episode, he swore in the senators and now the trial is totally underway. But he made some news on Tuesday. Um, So after a long day of debate by the, you know, House Democratic managers and White House defense lawyers, uh, there was some kind of sharp barbs exchanged by both sides. I think accusations of treachery even made its way into the record, and and Chief Justice Roberts wanted to just remind uh, the lawyers to tone it down a little bit because they are addressing, in his words, the, quote, world's greatest deliberative body. Uh, And just remember to be civil. Um, And so he had had kind of an interesting anecdote from a 1905 uh, trial in the Senate. So, uh, So we got a clip of that. Let's play that real quick. In the 1905 Swain trial, a senator objected when one of the managers used the word pettifogging and the presiding officer said the word ought not to have been used. I don't think we need to aspire to that high a standard, but I do think those addressing the Senate should remember where they are.
1: I really love that clip. And I just hope that pettifogging becomes like the new it word on social media in 2020, which would be like so apropos, considering that, uh, Chief Justice Roberts made headlines last week and at the beginning of the term for his OK Boomer comment um, in, during arguments.
0: Yeah, the new and the old with him. We go from OK Boomer, the latest trends of the internet era, to petty fuggery, which I don't think has been uttered out loud in maybe 100 years.
1: It was pretty great. And I mean, just how judge-like was it for him to basically tell the two squabbling sides to like calm down and, like, you know, Remember decorum like how how often do you hear about judges doing that to 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 trial uh, parties uh, during their own courtrooms and like reminding them to to have some decorum in, in their courtroom like that's such a judge thing to say.
0: Exactly. I mean, he's never presided over a trial before, but he certainly has experience dealing with the egos on the Supreme Court when they start talking over each other. And, you know, it's, it's been more than one occasion where, where, you know, from the bench, he's basically chastised his colleagues to kind of, you know, in polite terms, shut up and let counsel argue. So it doesn't surprise me that he's pretty adept at, uh, you know, schooling the, the, the lawyers in the Senate on how to keep their attitudes and rhetoric in check.
1: I kind of hope that this continues throughout the whole impeachment process.
0: Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a running segment where Roberts is just like chastising counsel from from the from the dais.
1: Yes. Meanwhile, speaking of segments, uh, we have a docket update. On Friday, the court added several new cases, uh, including one asking whether the Trump administration can create religious and moral exemptions from the Affordable Care Act's requirement for employer health plans to cover birth control.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the Affordable Care Act, the Court on... Tuesday declined a request from Democrats to fast-track a case about the constitutionality of of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Democrats are seeking to quickly settle the legality of the law after a controversial Fifth Circuit ruling last year. So they want that one to come through the pipeline pretty quick, but it looks like it could take longer than that.
1: In terms of out of the pipeline, uh, the court declined to review several appeals on Tuesday, including a case over Flint, Michigan's lead-filled water exposures. The denial leaves in place a split Sixth Circuit ruling that will allow the suit to move forward in the lower courts.
0: Great. So let's move on to Wednesday's oral arguments in the case Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue. And we have in studio here in uh, Washington, D.C., our senior tax reporter, Maria Koclinaris. Uh Welcome, Maria. How are you doing?
2: I'm well, Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy and Natalie, for having me on.
1: So good to have you, Maria. I am so excited to hear about this case because I know it's got some real, real potential ramifications um, for states across the country. Definitely.
0: Yeah, but before we get into the nitty-gritty of the case, I just want to ask you, because you were there in uh, the courtroom on Wednesday, just a few hours after uh, Chief Justice Roberts had, you know, gaveled out the Senate session that Tuesday night. How was he feeling? Was he a little bleary-eyed?
2: So, this was my fifth time at the court, and I have to say, he did not look any different to me. He, He was in, seemed to be in great shape. He was engaged. Uh, you know, he, he always cracks little jokes. He was, he, was doing, he was doing the same thing. I was very impressed because I would have been face down, but he was business as usual. Well, yeah, I, wa- I, I want to
1: know what his skincare routine is then because <laughs> <laughs> after yeah, a long it, it night, I'm not good. looking it, that good.
0: <laughs> maybe it's a chamomile tea scenario. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> okay, so Maria, tell me about this case. What, what is the issue? What's the heart of this dispute right here?
2: So I've been covering it because it started as a tax matter, but it really has just changed into something that is so much broader than that. And what it really is, is a major church state case Um, definitely is going to tell us something about religious education and how much uh, the government can intersect with that. And for that reason, it has just created a lot of interest um, among a wide uh, group of people.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about the original issue that sparked the suit?
2: Yes, sure. So it, it kind of started in 2015 when the Montana legislature created a scholarship program. And The way that the scholarship program worked is if you were a resident or business, you could make a donation um, to a scholarship for private school students, and you get a tax credit dollar for dollar. It was small, up to $150. That set up a conflict because Montana, in its constitution, has what's called a no aid clause, whereby you cannot send any tax dollars whatsoever to anything that has to do with any religion, whether it's a church, a school. Um, and so the Department of Revenue stepped in and said, OK, we're going to make a rule whereby um, this scholarship program can go on, but we're going to exclude all religious schools from the scholarship program. And at that point, three parents sued.
1: And, and these no aid provisions, they're not that uncommon in state uh, constitutions, Right.
2: They are not uncommon at all. In fact, they're, they, are, they are fairly common. Um, f- folks like the Institute for Justice, which is representing the parents, would love to see all of them go away. Uh, but they are there.
0: So my understanding is that the trial court you know, sided with the parents. But this case went actually all the way up to the Montana Supreme Court, which did something kind of unsurprising, right? What what was that?
2: So that's absolutely right. Uh, Jimmy, the trial court in in Montana sided with the parents, but the Montana Supreme Court um, took a kind of novel approach. They tried to Kind of split hairs and say, yes, it's true that we cannot use funds from the scholarship program to go to religious schools. But in order to just provide a remedy for everybody, what we're going to do is we're going to just get rid of the entire scholarship program. It will not exist anymore. That didn't mollify the parents at all. As a matter of fact, it made them even angrier, and they appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court.
0: Yeah, it sounds kind of like a baby in the bathwater. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So, okay, so now we've come up to the Supreme Court. We started with something that's, you know, the Montana Supreme Court does something totally different. Um, So tell me about Wednesday's Oral arguments. Obviously, the parents want not only this program reinstated, but they want to get rid of this Montana Department of Revenue rule that says that these tax credits can't go to people who donate to these religious schools. Was it a was it an ideological split? Um, what did the ju- what did the bench make of those oral arguments?
2: So, from my perspective, it seemed that um, most of the court's liberal wing was very much on the side of Montana, um, and some of its conservative wing was very much on the side of the parents. Um, I really couldn't tell where the Chief Justice is going to come down, and also Justice Breyer. Um, At one point, it seemed like he was in favor of what the state was arguing, but then he kind of veered away from that. And one of the things I think that is going to play um, pretty heavily here is um, there is a case from 2017 that Jimmy covered, was involving a church. It was the Trinity Lutheran case. And every single member of the court except Justice Kavanaugh uh, was was on the court at that time. Um, Justice Breyer and Justice Kagan sided with a conservative majority for a 7 2 decision. And what the what the parents would like is for the justices to decide that this is very much like Trinity Lutheran because in Trinity Lutheran the court said definitively religion was discriminated against that um, a church could not take part in a secular public benefit the only reason that it was excluded was because it was a church and from the parents perspective that's what this case is the state says no it's it's completely different than that so it seems to me and some folks that i've talked to have agreed that a lot of this will come down to what the court decides when it's deliberating, is this Trinity Lutheran part two, or is this something different?
1: Now, I know Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg kind of threw a, a bit of a, a wrench in, in some of her comments, uh, throwing in a, a questions about standing. Is that right?
2: Yes, that took everybody by surprise. Like, the you know, people who are watching this case, watching the court, they were definitely expecting the Trinity Lutheran um, discussions. But when she, she started in right away saying... Um, The parents are not the taxpayer. And the court has decided in a case called Eastern Kentucky that you don't have standing to challenge someone else's tax status. So that is what that's what she jumped in with. And that surprised a lot of people because that's not even an argument that Montana made.
0: Right. So the parents are, you know, obviously are the recipients, their children are the recipients of these scholarship funds. But the donors who would receive the tax benefits are a completely different person. Right. Exactly.
2: So that's the that's the the point that she was making. She was saying, I don't see how the parents have standing. And and she also said and Justice uh, Sotomayor um, also jumped in to back her up saying, where's the harm? the parents aren't these parents religious school parents are not getting the tax tax credit but uh, other parents aren't getting it either so so from their perspective the montana supreme court they said when when you get a case like that a, case, a, a the court can either level up or level down and here they decided to level down which means nobody gets it
1: so it'll be interesting to see if that plays into their ultimate decision. Um, but, but can you talk a little bit about what the ramifications might be if, you know, the court ends up siding one versus the other for either, you know, the, the parents or, or for the state?
2: Well, here's one of the questions that Justice Breyer asked. And he said to um, the lawyer for the parents, let's look at the broad state of education all around this country. States fund their public schools. They don't necessarily, and typically don't, fund private education. If we side for you, will that change? Does that mean that if you give money to public education, now you also have to give money to private education? This, if if the parents win, this could definitely open up a path for public dollars flowing into into private schools, an easier path, and flowing into religious schools. And we know that 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 has been just a huge issue ever since there was such a thing as public education. So it's, it's a huge case.
0: It is a huge case. And it sounds like, like you said in the beginning of our conversation, it's really grown out of this minor tax dispute into kind of a philosophical debate on the barrier between, you know, church and state.
2: Absolutely. And at one point, I was thinking to myself, I'm wondering if the Montana Department of Revenue n- knows what hit it. <laughs> but I mean, they 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 um, hired an extremely experienced uh, Supreme Court litigator. So I think they were ready for that.
0: Adam Unikowski <laughs> yes, of, of Jenner and Block. Block. Who's got? I would just say, like a pretty much an, a no lose streak at the. I don't know if that's changed in recent years, but he has a phenomenal record at the Supreme Court. So it tells you about the stakes of this case that they hired the big Washington D.C. guns for their absolutely for their appeal.
1: Great, Maria. Thank you so much for the time today. We're definitely going to be keeping an eye uh, on this case as, as it moves forward and for the decision, which, as you've mentioned, is going to have such an impact on the the status of public dollars and in. in, in private and and religious institutions. Thank you again for this great conversation.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun.
1: Next week, the court is off from oral arguments, but we'll be watching for an orders list on Monday and we'll be back with some more Supreme Court news. Jimmy, it's been great. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in.
1: like to thank our producers and editors, Stephen Trader and Danielle Smith, our executive producer Amber McKinney, and our contributing reporters this week, Maria Coquinaris, Andrew Craigie, Jeff Overly, and Juan Carlos Rodriguez. Music for the show comes from Slenderbeats. For more information about all the high court action, please go to law360.com slash the term. You can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search Law360 in the term. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.